0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu.
1: Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, February 2nd. Backyard dog breeding continues to be a big problem on both sides of the border. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. In her first State of the County Address last night, County Chairwoman Nora Vargas said, preventing and addressing homelessness is a top priority for the county.
2: We need to create a comprehensive strategy to confront the growing homeless epidemic facing our communities.
1: She said the county will work with the cities in the region to create rental protections and continue to build more affordable housing. One of the initiatives Vargas spoke about involves partnering with faith-based and community organizations to build cabin-style homeless shelters. The City of San Diego sidewalk vending ordinance is now being fully enforced in beach areas. The ordinance went into effect in Point Loma, OB, Mission Beach, PB, La Jolla, and Sorrento Valley last month. But up until now, vendors were just getting warnings. As part of the ordinance, vendors must pay $38 for a permit every year. Food vendors are also required to have a health permit and food handler card. The ordinance also sets up parameters for where vendors can set up. Vendors operating illegally can be cited for violations with a fine of up to $1,000. Cards, equipment, and goods could also be impounded. Bed Bath & Beyond is closing its stores in Carlsbad, Forest Ranch, and San Marcos. The company announced earlier this week that 87 additional stores will be shut down across the country as the company faces bankruptcy. In August, the company announced they would be closing 150 of its stores. A date for the closures hasn't been announced. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: Donations come in many forms a sustaining membership, a one time gift, even that extra vehicle you no longer need. Learn more about the advantages of donating a vehicle. Here's how go to kpbs.careasy.org or call 877 kpbs car.
1: Even with increased awareness, unscrupulous backyard dog breeding is still a big problem. KPBS's Maya Tribulsi investigated a doodle breeder who was able to operate on both sides of the U.S.-Mexican border, despite allegations of dog abuse. Hi,
3: are you scared? Oh, she's so scared. And this is kind of
2: how all of
4: them were, to be honest.
3: Lauren Botticelli runs the Animal Pad in La Mesa. you crazy. One of several animal sanctuaries that took part in a harrowing rescue of more than 100 dogs from a backyard doodle breeder in Mexico. Every kind of doodle breed you can think about was there. Breeders in Mexico have an impact here because many of the dogs end up being sold in San Diego County. And then we've got more back here. Botticelli says this situation began with a plea for help on social media about a breeder who was in over her head.
4: It was like no one knew where she was and who she was
3: the breeder annette rose now, sent a geographical pin to her breeding facility in rosarito a beach town south of tijuana when we pulled up we actually saw a it was like a hill of doodles there were many
4: many more dogs than she had admitted to essentially
3: once botticelli saw the state of the compound and the dogs i
4: kind of made it a mission to find out more about this woman the
3: rescuers came over a series of visits taking a few dogs each time but only those Rose now would allow the ones she deemed weirdos. Any of the dogs that were going
4: to still make her money that she could profit off of, she wasn't willing to give up. We saw her
3: throw rocks, throw buckets at the dogs. Rose now was later arrested by Mexican municipal police after threatening one of the rescuers kill you!
5: You're gonna kill me?
3: While Rose now was in custody, the teams got to work to remove the remaining dogs. but what they found will haunt them. And that
4: told me this directly. They would be fighting over food to the point where they were killing each other. Any mom that was giving birth, uh, the other dogs were eating the puppies. That's
3: a skull. Dog skulls were found on the property. Look at this. Several puppies in the freezer. And some dogs were defecating rocks, eaten out of hunger. At first, Rose now agreed to an interview with KPBS, but then changed her mind. Instead, she has in recent weeks defended herself through text messages. She says the puppies in the freezer died of parvo, and that she has no felonies for animal abuse. Rosenow also said that she was detained by Mexican immigration authorities, and says she's now in Germany. KPBS was not able to obtain records relating to her arrest or determine whether she was deported from Mexico. This isn't the first time Rose now has run afoul of the law, and her activities haven't been limited to Mexico. For years, she ran breeding operations in the U.S., in 2017, the state of New Mexico charged Rose now with 61 violations relating to license and rabies requirements. She pleaded guilty to 11 of the counts, fined and sentenced to 23 days in jail. And a magistrate judge ruled she cannot own animals anywhere in the United States. In 2018, six of Rose Now's dogs died in a hot car in Albuquerque after she says they were abandoned by the person she hired to transport them to Texas. Charges against Rose Now in that case were dismissed. And I knew before you even said her name who it was. Cindy Sullivan is director of Torrance County Animal Services in New Mexico, one of many counties Rose now is known to have run her breeding business. I have so many aliases on this woman. Sullivan is among many who say the problem with animal control in the U.S. is that breeders who are shut down in one jurisdiction can just move to another county or another state. We work for weeks and months to try to stop these things from happening?
0: Uh, There's no question we need a central database.
3: San Diego Humane Society CEO Dr. Gary Weitzman says breeders will continue to have an easy time evading law enforcement until there is a way to keep track of them on a national level.
0: Right now it's very casual and we have to rely on our own colleagues that are in our industry to actually translate what's happening in another region and that just puts the animals at risk.
3: But there are many doodle buyers that bought a puppy from this backyard breeder and are happy with their dogs. I've told
4: them their dogs are the luckiest ones, but also regret supporting somebody and supporting a situation where other dogs were being hurt in the process.
1: Maya Trabulsi,
3: KPBS News.
1: And Dr. Weitzman at the San Diego Humane Society says any transaction to sell a puppy or dog on public property is illegal in California. For more information on what to look for in a good breeder, you can visit sthumane.org/breeder. The FBI says violent extremism from within the country poses one of the most persistent threats against the US. A local survey is underway to gauge whether local politicians have turned into targets. KPBS's Amitha Sharma Explains.
6: The Department of Homeland Security said late last year they were seeing general calls for violence against elected officials and candidates. Some were followed through. A New Mexico failed Republican candidate was indicted this week over the December shootings of two Democratic lawmakers and two commissioners. A year ago, suspected arson scorched the house where San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher lives with his wife, former Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez both Democrats.
4: You've had school board members and a variety of school boards who've had protests outside of their houses, receiving on their personal phone lines and in their personal mail, not nice correspondence.
6: Mesa College political science professor Carl Luna is spearheading a poll of 300 elected officials in the county to assess if they're receiving more threats and whether those threats are becoming more violent.
4: And what can we do to both protect First Amendment rights, but also to provide forums in which we can have meaningful civic engagement?
6: The results are expected to be released in June. The poll is being conducted by the Violence, Inequality, and Power Lab at USD's Joan B. Kroc Institute. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News.
1: The Port of San Diego is halting talks to build a cement warehouse at the 10th Avenue Marine Terminal. The project would have dramatically increased diesel truck traffic through Barrio Logan. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has details.
0: Mitsubishi Cement Corporation has twice tried to build a warehouse on the port-owned terminal to receive cement-making materials brought in by ships. Those goods would then be trucked to construction locations around Southern California. The Environmental Health Coalition's Diane Takvorian says local residents were outraged by plans that call for 4,000 to 10,000 diesel trucks to rumble through Barrio Logan every month.
6: We have some of the highest uh, diesel pollution and air pollution in Barrio Logan and National City, higher than 95 percent of the state of California.
0: Port officials released a statement on Wednesday that indicated talks ended with Mitsubishi but the plan could be revived if the project meets the port's clean air goals. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: A Black Lives Matter flag is now flying over the San Diego Unified School District headquarters in University Heights. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more on the commemoration of Black History Month. This year, San
0: Diego Unified School District officials decided to raise the Black Lives Matter flag to show their commitment to diversity and equality across all campuses. The ceremony included students who shared some of their personal experiences with discrimination and harassment in school. And they also shared their hope for the future. Henry Anderson III is a 7th grader at Millennial Tech Middle School with big plans to be a lawyer. And then... Just
2: like Barack Obama, he was a lawyer before he went into office. I'm going to try to still stay stay in my community as a lawyer. And if I I become a prestigious lawyer, I feel like it would be easy for me to become president.
0: The district has several other community events planned throughout the month honoring black history. M.G. Perez, KPBS News.
1: Coming up, the Human Rights Watch Film Festival in San Diego opens tonight with a film about the lack of child care. We'll have that story and more after the break.
0: and donate what you can.
5: All right? Thanks.
1: San Diego Unified students are missing school at alarming rates, a trend that could impact district funding and student achievement. I news source education reporter Andrea Figueroa Briceño reports that family services assistants are visiting homes to identify why some students are missing school.
2: Nearly a third of San Diego Unified students are considered chronically absent. Board member Sabrina Bezos says the district has noticed the trend especially among students that are economically disadvantaged, homeless, or in special education.
7: Absenteeism has really dramatically increased in our schools, not only locally here in San Diego, but statewide and actually throughout the nation since the pandemic.
2: The district says students that miss school are at greater risk of truancy, doing poorly academically, and dropping out of school. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource reporter Andrea Figueroa Briseño.
1: Source is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. The Human Rights Watch Film Festival kicks off in San Diego today. It runs for a week and includes screenings of films about environmental justice, overcoming abuse, and women's rights. The festival opens this evening with a showing of the film, Clarissa's Battle. It documents the tireless efforts of Clarissa Dalthard as she works for increasing access to childcare and early education for her East Bay community and beyond. Here's a clip from the film's trailer.
2: It is time for a change, y'all. I'm tired of being tired of being tired of being tired. I am sick of being tired. No matter where your zip code is, no matter what school you sign up to, every single child deserves to have the same quality education.
1: The film's title character, Clarissa Dalthird, and the film's director, Tamara Perkins, spoke with my colleague, Jade Hydman, about the inspiration for the film.
7: So Clarissa, I'll start with you. Access to childcare is a personal issue for you. Can you tell us about your own experience and how that moved you to become an advocate for better access to childcare and early education?
2: Absolutely. My son was four months old, and I needed to go back to work. And I had no idea how to get help paying for it. But while looking for a job and then securing a part-time job as we were trying to get stable housing and, you know, access nutritious food. Um, I learned the actual cost of care and uh, had a really difficult time finding programs that would help me pay for that. So I had no idea how I was going to pay $950 a month, which was what it was going to cost for my infant son to be cared for while I worked. And I You know, my living costs at that time were about $500 a month. So childcare alone was gonna cost me twice as much, you know, I was working for $15 an hour, 15 hours a week. And it was a really impossible situation that uh, made me incredibly angry and I didn't know why there wasn't more outrage. And how were people surviving? How were families surviving?
7: Yeah, it's a struggle for so many families. So, Tamara, tell us more about why you wanted to tell this story and, and why Clarissa was such an important part of it for you.
5: In some ways, you know, it, it's the same as what we're talking about the film. I was laid off at almost almost nine months pregnant. I um, had made a plan to be a solo mom by choice. I thought I was all set and then um, suddenly was thrown off this cliff. And when I was laid off and I was, I, I was finally uh, introduced to social services, and figured out just getting through the birth, I I realized that there was no way I could afford childcare and actually look for a job um, while I was still just trying to heal and make it <laughs> as a, as a new a brand new mom on my own. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think that the the big thing is that you know I I found out about the childcare crisis by being in the childcare crisis myself. And in meeting Clarissa, uh, I was just, I felt so blown away by this this whole challenge and seeing what she was able to do as a single mom. I wanted to somehow be part of that. And the way that I felt like I could contribute and maybe help make sure that more moms weren't in this situation, or at least make sure that people were talking about it was to uh, work together to tell this story. And, and Clarissa, you see this this crisis and
7: this lack of childcare, care uh, really as an example of public policy failures. Tell me about that. I definitely see this
2: as a lack of prioritization for families, especially especially women of color, both on the ch- accessibility of child care, families who are low income or even middle earning and can't afford three to $6,000 a month in care, and also the child care workers who are incredibly underpaid, uh, whose labor is important to our economy and to our community, to the public health of our communities. And so we're in a situation where we have an underpaid workforce that our economy is reliant on, and then families who are really struggling, especially in places like the East Bay in California, and I'm sure many other communities where the cost of living has just shot up, where rents have shot up and so our public policy has not and really our investment you know our city county and state budgets have not reflected the material needs of the community and what it costs to actually have you know thriving neighborhoods and healthy children the other thing i just want to say is that for a long time and we address this a bit in the in the film early care and education has been the landscape the public policy landscape has been very white and very academic. Um, it has not taken into consideration the experiences, the solutions and vision of um, Black and brown women who are at the forefront of caregiving and child care accessibility issues.
7: So this film, it's going to be shown at the Museum of Photographic Arts, 6 p.m. here in San Diego. Tell us about the screening and what else you have planned.
5: So, yes, we're really excited to open the Human Rights Watch Film Festival um, here in San Diego. Uh, the reception's at 6, and the film screening is at 7. Um, and we're going to have free child care available with RSVP. We also have uh, Spanish subtitles in the film, Spanish interpretation for the panel. And um, I, I believe there's free tickets available. And, and you can email ticket at hrw.org general public tickets are $10. We'll be joined by local early childhood education leaders from San Diego and Clarissa and I will be there on the panel as well. That was
1: the director of the film, Clarissa's Battle, Tamara Perkins, along with its title character, Clarissa Dalthard, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Hindman. You can find more information about the film at kpbs.org. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at KPBS.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Thursday.